0: Hello, and welcome to Mac Gamecast episode 39. I'm John Carr, as always, and with me is the eminent Casper. How are you, sir? Woo, back again. Like, I right. had, had an episode or two there where I wasn't here. Like, yeah, how dare was, I? Outrageous, in fact. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this is going to be um, kind of, you know, we didn't have Casper on for the immediate WWDC episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know I have some thoughts, and he has a lot of cool other things um, related to the game porting kit. And I think that's our primary focus today. Um, as far as I know, anyway,
1: um, Mac gaming I mean, there, stuff. There's that. Uh, I'd like to tr- have a few comments landed on the Mac pro as well. I know yeah. you guys talked about that last episode. Um, there's a few things I'd like to like, yeah, uh, add to that. Um, and then, um, you know, uh, I've also been playing a, a fair bit of Pathfinder Kingmaker lately, which is Ooh. a game that exists on the Mac. Um, native to macOS and it doesn't have an apple silicon version but it's a great game so i also have thoughts on that if if, if there's time oh, for no, that or maybe oh, that says sure. everything
0: no i actually would like you to bring that up because the same studio is making a uh 40k game rogue trader uh, based on this based on the same you know D framework with like the complex dice rolls and stat interactions and everything that's cool um there's
1: also a and sequel it, to the Pathfinder game,
0: uh, Wrath right. of the Righteous. So. Yes, uh, Owlcat Studios, maybe. Yeah, that's um, right. Anyway, much to my surprise, their uh, beta, Rogue Trader, has a Mac version. So we can talk about <laughs> that. I mean, oh, that both
1: a bit. of their previous uh, Pathfinder games have Mac versions as well. Uh, the first nice. one has a Linux version, the second one doesn't,
0: but they kept Mac support. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of funny. Um, yeah, and if you have any other WWDC comments you want to drop, like on the Apple Vision Pro or something, feel free as well. Um, i yeah. mean honestly at this stage i don't care that much about the headset that's not
1: to say i don't <laughs> think it's cool it is cool right. um but it's it's far away it's expensive it's not a product i'm willing to spend that much money on even when it does come out and even speaking as like a developer there's nothing like that i have made or want to make that i feel like would be particularly enhanced in vr or AR. Um, So at this point, it's just not really a product that's in my radar that much. Like, I think the technology is cool. And I'm invested in following along for the sake of the technology. But it's not a product that gets me riled up like the Mac is and excited to talk about it. I
0: agree. Yeah, it's more the just like, yeah, it's just that it's so cool. You just kind of want to check it out. Keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. I Um, mean, if there's
1: like a store that isn't outrageously far away from me that has one, I'm going to go and try one. Like, if. You know, because it's cool technology, I'm a nerd, I want to try cool technology, but it's not something that's like as invested in as a Mac or something.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm hoping um, here like Best Buys carry a lot of Apple stuff. I don't know if they'll do demos. They demo other, I know they demo consoles and some other odds and ends. Um, Yeah, so we'll have to see. It's Mm -hmm. funny, there's actually no official Apple stores in my state because we're quite small in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a number of Apple-authorized providers, like stores and right. providers. Mostly. That's how
1: all of Denmark is as well.
0: Right. Um, mostly one called Small Dog here in Vermont, Small Dog Electronics. They have mm-hmm. stores, I don't know, not all over, but relatively yeah. speaking, all over. Small state. Um, so anyway, maybe they'll carry them too. I'll see. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm probably roughly about a half-hour drive from one, um, maybe 30, 40 minutes. So I would also like... If there's some demos, I would go check those out. Mm, definitely. Same thing. Um, but it's mostly uh kind of your show today, so to speak. Um because you know, your comments, your thoughts, all this game testing you've been doing. All-
1: well then, then let's do um the same thing you did, you did last episode and take it sort of chronologically then. Uh because like then then the first thing I wanna add points to is the Mac Pro situation. Um, Because the Mac Pro initially, when it was announced at WWDC, I'll say it confused me a little bit. Because I've been involved in a lot of speculation about what the Mac Pro was going to be when it transitioned to Apple Silicon. Mm. And at no point did I, or anyone else that I noticed at least, speculate that the Mac Pro would be a Mac Studio with PCIe slots. Like we all expected something more. Like an extreme chip or... Apple slots that you could slot in an M3 Ultra when that became a thing, or God knows what. But it is just a Mac Studio with PCIe slots. Same top RAM, you know, you can't get that 1.5 terabyte RAM configuration and all that. And I'd say initially I was very disappointed by that. Um, I since watched Daring Fireballs, the talk show with um, Greg Joshwiak, um, with uh, John Turnus with Craig Federici and a guy I can't remember the first name of, called Rockwell, who primarily worked on the Vision headset thing. Um, and they made some good points about the Mac Pro that made me like reconsider my stance a little bit. Um, mainly the fact that... So I was concerned about the 1.5 terabytes of RAM more than anything, because I had accepted we're probably not going to get GPU expansion on this thing. Um,
2: Mm, because, right.
1: Just because of the architecture of uh, Apple Silicon and the whole thing, you're develop like everyone's developing against this unified memory architecture on all of the other Macs, and there's just not enough market share in the Mac Pro that they're going to optimize different Metal implementations for a PCIe based GPU that goes over a much lower PCIe connection instead of being on die right. So. To, to really fit in with the applications that are going to be developed for macOS, it's pretty infeasible to have something that doesn't integrate with the unified memory architecture, like an external GPU. So they would have to figure some other way of doing that. And I, mm. I just didn't see that being in the cars. But I did assume that there would be some way to figure out one, like a large pool of memory through some t- kind of like tiered uh, setup where you still have super fast. On die memory, which would then top out at the one hundred ninety-two gigabytes or something, and then similar to how like a fusion drive used to operate, but in a memory sense, where you have this super fast on chip memory, and then you have system system memory that right. would function in a traditional sense, and the system could like utilize that as like the swap, but it was still memory, just extra fast, right? Um, that was what, sort of what I was ex- expecting, but none of that. Um, But anyway, what the Apple execs said that sort of made me feel maybe there's a justification for the whole um, move away from that kind of system was um, some workflows do require that ludicrous 1.5 terabytes of RAM or that sort of level. And those workflows correctly are not catered for anymore. It's It's just not a thing. Right, But instead, there's new workflows you can do with this system that you just couldn't before on any system, not just a Mac, but no system at all. Um, Because the 192 gigabytes of RAM on Apple Silicon is not just for the CPU. It's for the whole SOC, which means you have nearly 192 gigabytes of VRAM. And there was no GPU prior to WWDC that could offer that in any system. No single GPU, at least. Right. Um, now, AMD did, did just basically announce an Instinct card with a 192 gigabyte of RAM for AI and high-performance computing workloads and stuff, it, ludicrously expensive as well. But that was sort of an interesting point that that's something you can't do on any other machine, basically. Um, I struggle to see like there being a very big market for this, given that the Mac Studio is so much cheaper, and the only difference is the PCIe slots, and you do have Thunderbolt on a Mac Studio, and... Those can go out to expansions, uh, you know, uh, chassis as well with PCIe, but we'll see. In any case, I also do think that there is a decent chance, like a 50-50 chance, that the next iteration of the Mac Pro will still have an extreme chip, or maybe, you know, they'll just go. And now enough people have converted away from PCIe over to other solutions that we can just drop it. Right whatever the the outcome may be i i still think it's an interesting product category it's just not as interesting as it used to be given that the mm. mac studio if if the reason you care about the mac pro is not because you have some you know catalog of pcie cards um but just because you want the big performance the mac studio is the interesting product at this point right um those were just some thoughts i wanted to like throw into the the mac pro discussion um Mm. Yeah,
0: um, no, I. Uh, yeah. it's not really a new comment. Maybe I said it last time also, but I just thought it was funny that I think you and Sam, you know, a while ago, could have even been last year, like, oh, maybe they'll fuse some of the, you know, chips together, like stack two together or four together or something. I believe you said that. And then they come out and we have this like ultra fusion technology. Yeah, But and-
1: but but, but we, we talked about like fusing together all the way before the Mac Studio was a thing. Yes. Regarding the M1 Ultra. Yes. Uh, and then we kept thinking about that regarding like stacking more dies together uh, with Ultra Fusion to produce this sort of extreme tier chip with four M1 Max dyes right, effectively right. instead of just two. Um, now, if you look at, like, there was no way that was going to happen on the M2 or the M1, because if you look at the actual die of an M1, it only has the UltraFusion connector on one side, and oh. well, you connect two of them, and now you don't have any more connectors. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, it would have to be, like, a new generation of, of chip that would support that, but,
0: yeah. Sure, maybe um, M3 or something.
1: Yeah, yeah so, so it, it's possible that the Mac Pro, as it is right now, was basically Apple going, we need to finish the transition. We don't have M3 that can perform this extreme thing yet. Let's knock this out of the door and we'll uh, cross the other bridge when we get to it or something. I
2: yeah,
0: right.
1: Um, it is at least a bit of a shame that you do, you know when an M3 Ultra, M4 Ultra, M5 Ultra comes along, you can't swap it into the Mac Pro. Um, so it's not going to have the same longevity as prior Mac Pros with upgradability down the road. It is more expandable than upgradable, which I think Samsung as well. But yeah. It's, right, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Now, there was that game pointing toolkit. kit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And
0: yeah, once, I was very sorry, surprised just, by this. Just to oh, interject, I wanted to talk more about it in the show because it was actually the most exciting thing to me. But mm-hmm. since it was just announced and I didn't try it and there wasn't any like data on it, I'm like, well how much can we talk about it beyond, like, this seems really cool and the potential of it's amazing. And then when you deep dive it and even, you know, doing it all week on Discord, I'm like, holy moly, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the potential I wished, you know, I was hoping to see and even far exceeded my expectations. So, um, yes. sorry, not trying to steal your thunder. I'm just, I'm so excited you did all that. You've got me excited. You've got Ted excited, the, uh, the, the possible PC heretics, you know, were like, hey, oh, Mac Gaming, oh my goodness, you know, so...
1: Um, it is yeah. a very impressive development, especially given that I, it's not that many episodes you and I were talking about how um, Code Weavers have been trying to get DirectX 12 support for quite a while, and they've only just gotten their first game running. And yeah. then completely out of left field, Apple's just like, yeah, we, DirectX 12 it just runs. We've got almost full support of DirectX 12. There are some things that they themselves say, if you're using this DirectX 12 feature, turn it off before and make a build, and then it can run, but... Don't use that. It won't work and stuff, right?
2: right.
1: But it's very feature-rich compared to the other x 12 solution on the market right now for Metal. Um, it's, it's extremely exciting, and it, Apple is really pushing. Like, I was optimistic about Apple's push into gaming, but I didn't expect it to be this strong. It's very strong. Like, one thing is... You know, there there was a decent public-facing uh, push for gaming at the WWDC keynote. But even in every single session after that, there's been some push towards it, right? The yeah. uh, the State of the Union, which is the equivalent of the keynote, but a bit more developer-focused, uh, where it's more like, we've shown the public these things, now we're going to sh- talk more about what you need to know as a developer about all these new things. That was right. also, like, had a decently sized section about uh, gaming, and then on the Tuesday of WWDC, there was a three-part series of "Bring Your Game to Mac" with just oh. a bunch of information for game, de- like targeting game developers. Going, this is how you do this bit, do this bit, do this bit. Your game runs, and including like an optimization stage and stuff. It was, yeah, They've, this game porting toolkit. I also want to emphasize that it's uh, it's more than just one thing. Like the thing we're focusing on mostly now, um, you and me, but also like the wider Mac gaming community, is just stage one of the Mac uh, porting toolkit. It's these, what Apple dubs the emulation layer, which I find kind of funny, given that they are using parts of wine and wine stands for wine is not an emulator. But nah. It's just a bit fun. Um, but that's just step one, the emulation layer. You know, the idea is uh, game developers will use the emulation layer to run their game as is, no changes and go like, oh wow, even through all this translation, I'm getting 20, 30, 40 frames per second, whatever. Um, and then Apple has provided a host of other tools that'll make it easier, faster, and you know, more convenient for developers to port their games to Mac. And they can do these things piecemeal. So they can uh, use the metal shader converter to take the DirectX 12 source files and output metal files Um, and then change some CPU code around to use Metal instead. And don't need to do all the work at once. You can do a bit of the work, run it again, and hey, now it's 10 frames per second better. And then you do the next step and improves, improves, improves. So I want to emphasize that the toolkit is way more than just it can run the games. It's an entire solution for helping developers get their games to run better, including Windows tooling um, to help developers uh, who primarily make games on Windows also have a better experience creating the Mac ports from their Windows machines without needing to go to a Mac as frequently to produce the binaries.
0: Right. Um, That's important, I think. We've either definitely. talked to some in the past or even like on the, uh, sort of the 1.0 version of the show, like 10 years ago, talking to some devs and some like indie devs who did porting and some of them were just like, I just don't have a Mac laying around to test the game on. It's kind of that simple, and they're not, like, swimming in thousands of dollars to just buy a Mac or whatever, but, like, a kind of a medium-range Mac that maybe the game would run on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's actually... It sounds small, but I think it's a very key point, what you just said. It is. I'll point out that you do still need a Mac for final
1: uh, distribution, assembly of the binary, testing purposes. Like, the game is a different version when running on a Mac, so you do need a different test suite for the Mac, you know, QA and, and everything. Uh, support may, might be still a cost you have, right? Because you do need to support a Mac version if you release a Mac version. So there are still you know, extra costs associated with bringing a game to Mac that hopefully right. you recoup through sales, right? But yeah, um, you, you can't do everything from Windows, but it does help developers who run their machines on, on Windows be able to iterate faster uh, without going to the Mac as frequently. They can push out the binary from their Windows development machine and then... Someone else on the Mac side can test it without that back and forth as much. Right. Um, But the emulation layer is the bit that we as end users shouldn't but can use without any developer intervention already. I say shouldn't because, A, it requires a lot of very early-stage beta software right now, and I would not advise anyone who isn't Let's see an expert tinkerer <laughs> just go out and, uh, and try and install all of this and, and do it at this point. Because um, you're going to have to install Mac OS Sonoma, and it's beta 1 at this point. Um, it, back when Ventura was the new kid on the block, when I installed beta 1 on my iMac, I wound up in a position where I could boot my computer. It would stay on for five minutes, then it would kill itself, just oh. completely shut off. And this would what happened like, consistently. I had to mm-hmm. reinstall Monterey um, through recovery. There was no way around it, right? right. Um, de- developer betas are developers beta- betas for a reason. They are not stable software. Um, so, yeah, I, I just disclaimer, I don't want people just going, like, God, oh, this is so exciting. I'm going to rush out and install all of this now. It's very early stages. It's very unstable software. That said, it is also less Uh, unstable than prior years like this is the most stable I think any developer beta one has been for me uh, with Sonoma and it runs fast smooth everything's great that's not to say there aren't bugs there are plenty but fewer than normal for the developer beta ones so yeah the developer toolkit also beta one that could improve greatly over time as well Um, and second the intended use case for this is to help developers port their games to mac we as the mac gaming community want to uh, make excitement around all of this go like look how well these titles already run without any work done but this is by no means the ceiling of what can be achieved like a two even three x performance increase with a native port for some games is feasible um and like, it's not a good UX experience for customers to go through this route. It is definitely intended for something developers use. It's not to say you can't use it. And if you're really excited about a specific game that runs on the toolkit, I think you should try when it's no longer beta software, or if you're really a tinkerer, maybe even now. Um, But it is not the end goal of it. I want to emphasize that point as well. Now, with that said, I have been tinkering a lot and trying a whole bunch of games. And obviously, some run better than others. Uh, Generally, I'd say that DirectX 12 games run significantly better than DX 1011 games. And don't think about DX 9 and earlier, because Apple hasn't done anything special with that. Their uh, D3D Metal library only covers DirectX 10, 11, and 12, the graphics frameworks on modern-ish versions of Windows. for prior versions of DirectX, you're basically back to Wine 3D and uh Vulcan, Vulcan solutions that Crossover and Wine already have out there, so there's nothing new there. Um but if we look at DirectX 12, like I have God of War running on my M1 Max. It's the 24 core 16-inch machine. God of War runs very consistently at around 30 frames per second on original settings uh non-retina native so when i say non-retina native i mean half resolution on both axes um pretty much consistently at 30 fps console level experience i'd say right Mm, yeah it doesn't really ever drop below i mean sometimes it goes to like 28 frames per second but it it doesn't noticeably drop right yeah but it also never really soars above the 30-ish mark it i'd say the range is like 28 to 34 which is very consistent, and I do think frame pacing matters significantly more than frame rate. Right? It's much better to have a game that stays locked at 30 than one that fluctuates between 120 FPS down to 4 every 5 seconds, right? Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that's the level we're looking at for God of War. And uh, I don't think it matters much if you have the 24 or the 32 core GPU here, because uh, I found... It seemed a lot of the time um, we were equally bound by GPU and CPU on my machine. The percent time on the CPU pretty much always matched exactly the percent time on the GPU. So if you have a faster GPU, it's just going to spend more time waiting on the CPU. And that's a factor of all of this translation being done, right? So that would be different on a native port. But for now, I don't think there's really any noticeable difference between 24 and 32 core GPUs. All of this is detail uh, Apple gives you when you run the emulation layer. They have the metal performance HUD. I also tested in DirectX 12 games, um, what's it called? Cyberpunk. Um, where, uh, again, a very similar experience to uh, God of War, honestly. like I put everything to high, uh, and I th- there didn't really seem to be a noticeable difference between putting everything at high, medium, or low. Again, I think this is a factor of CPU bound versus GPU bound, because... Raising these settings put more load on the GPU versus the CPU, but if we're all just CPU bound, it doesn't really matter that much. Mm. Um, but again, well, I was looking at like a bit above thirty FPS there, like I would say thirty-five to fifty forty, um, so very playable. Um, and and again, like a little better than a console experience, probably. Like depending on how you set the console tuning, cause with everything in high, it would like be the quality mode of the console, but. That yep. runs at 30. Um, what other DirectX 12 games were there I tested? Because I know there was at least one more.
0: Um, uh, some sort of, I don't know if it was a Final Fantasy game or like a Dragon Ball game or something. There's both DirectX 11,
1: but yeah. Th- th- so l- let's just broaden the scope, I guess. Um,
0: Elden Ring, I think you also tested or? Elden
1: Ring, that's DX12. I tested Elden Ring. Uh, that ran even better than Cyberpunk in God of War. Again, seemed to mostly be CPU-bound, varied a bit uh, depending on area and stuff. But in the area I tested, which was um, the area around um, the first major boss of the game, um, ah, what's his name? Uh, market, 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 yes. Um, there's both a market and a Mark god in the game. Oh dear, <laughs> that's confusing. Yeah. And it, some people think it's the same guy. It might be the same guy. I don't know. It's weird.
2: Mm. Um,
1: but that's just where I happened to have my save game. I'd finished him a long time ago, but I went back there for some reason. Anyway, um, looked at like 45 frames per second. Um, everything is at the half uh, native resolution like that, non-retina native. Um, yeah. High settings again. Very impressive given the amount of, translation layers we're going through here, right? It's not uh, as much as like Crossover where you have Vulcan to Metal in the mix as well. It is directly from DirectX to, to Metal. Um, but the fact that we have these complex DirectX 12 games running through both Rosetta and the GPU translation layer at the same time, it's remarkable, honestly, like that you can do real-time stuff that goes through so much translation. its It's exciting to me.
0: Yeah, it's really impressive. Um, You also, I believe, tested um, Hogwarts Legacy and... That's DirectX 12 as well.
1: Yeah, so um, Hogwarts Legacy uh, honestly runs better on my Apple Silicon MacBook than it does on my iMac, which is a 2020 uh, with a Core i7-10700K and a Radeon RX 5700 XT, um, which it's incredible right um so the one major difference is that on my laptop i ran it at non retina native just straight on my imac i have it set to display resolution of 4k but with internal render resolution of 1080p using fsr to scale it back up and that does have a performance cost right um but on my laptop i was seeing consistently like six FPS more than on my desktop um, at the settings I play at, which is basically everything at ultra at that resolution. Um, so we landed at like, yeah, four thirty-eight forty esque uh, FPS, I think. Um, nice. Very impressive to me. That wasn't in a, in a small, um, like, dungeon area. I, I didn't actually test the outside world. So it might drop if you, like, go flying in the outer world. It didn't sure. test that. Sure, right. Um, Alan Wake remastered, everything set to high, same resolution, uh, 50 FPS-ish, very playable. Nice. Um, I, I say that even though it is like a remastered version, they haven't upgraded the graphics that much. Like, they they probably have, if I look at them side by side, I'd be like, wow, the original looked that old. Like, you know, sure. things things date more in real world than they do in your memory um, or age. But um,
0: they really do. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like it looked worse than I remember it, but the original
0: probably looks way worse than I remember. It. <laughs> so it's funny yeah. how that works. I've done yeah. that in some games this year, last year. I go back and I'm like, I thought this looked better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, um a few quick just seeing as we're talking about some of these games um Sam had posted a chart from Dave 2D I want to say I'm not familiar yeah, with Yeah 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 that guy he's a YouTube picture Yeah nice. must be a YouTuber um yeah, so no, most, he does great stuff Uh so we tested Cyberpunk 2077 Diablo 4 Elden Ring Spider-Man there's a bunch of them so I maybe I don't know which one that was um Horizon Zero Dawn and Hogwarts Legacy so the interesting... And mm-hmm. he tested them on four different computers. 14-inch uh, um, MacBook Pro M2 Max, mm-hmm. an M2 MacBook Air, an M1 MacBook Air, and a Mac Studio M1 Ultra. Mm-hmm. So the M1 MacBook Air and the M2 MacBook Air were all pretty low-end. The M1 is basically out of the running. It's like 15... Not, nothing even broke 20 FPS on any of these games, which mm. isn't, isn't playable. Like, honestly... If you can, I, I, you know, well,
1: actually, I, I think something important to notice here is... At least like with, with the, um, the Medium, which was one that uh, has a Mac native title in the works, right? Yes. In one of the WWDC keynotes, Apple showed at least a doubling of performance from the uh, Game Point porting Toolkit to the native version. Right, yeah. And for, for, all, for all the M1 MacBook Air results in the Dave 2D chart, if you double the frame rate, you get at least 30 frames per second for Absolutely. a MacBook Air M1.
0: It's true, and in some cases, you'd hit, like, 35, 40. Um, Yes. I found, um, in the past at least, of course, this is all subjective to um, personal, like, gamer preference, Mm -hmm. but I can't remember the game, but I played something, like, at a steady 25, 28, like, very, like, it doesn't move. Mm -hmm. And you don't really notice a difference. Some people claim, though, if it's not 60 FPS or 120 FPS, it's garbage and unplayable, so... It's like what are your eyes used to? What's what you know? What kind of monitor do you have? Basically, like yeah, what's an acceptable gaming experience for you? The level of the, the textures, you know, the draw distance, you know, the FPS rate, like. Um, well, I, think, I think gamers. Yeah, I
1: think what you say well there about but. the monitor is also an important point, because obviously with my MacBook Pro, I was testing all of this with the Promotion display that can like adaptively change its refresh rate to match the the frame rate, right? Yeah and i'd say that like something like 38 fps or something in that range right looked significantly better on that display than it does on my imac at a similar frame rate um, cuz every single frame the gpu sends to the display gets displayed whereas with like 30 fps on a 60 hertz monitor there's like this you know not um what do you call it like it, there's a, a term from like um, film projectors where they do um so some frames are repeated and some are not, right? right? To to match up the frame rate and the the display, right? Uh, but with every frame actually being presented on the display, it feels smoother than it does on a non adaptive frame rate display at a, at any given
0: resolution. It's true, it does. So that's that is a factor, um, and it's key. What you said also that the chart I was just mentioning from Dave Two D, this is the beta one porting toolkit zero optimization, so. Mm-hmm. On the lower end, it's not promising. But yeah, if you double those numbers, which is very reasonable, you're completely playable. And what's interesting is on the M2 Mac, MacBook Pro M2 Max, mm-hmm. and the M1 Ultra Max Studio, the frame mm-hmm. rate's are already great. I think the yeah, lowest definitely. one is like 40 FPS. And on the M1 Ultra, they jump up to like 60, 70, 97 in one case, Diablo 4. Mm-hmm. Um, what I did find funny was on Elden Ring for the M2 Max and the M1 Ultra, they're the same. 60 FPS. I don't know if that was like a locking uh, that's, that, thing. That, that, that's a locking thing. The, that's yeah. what I thought. Okay. Because then we have some pretty big discrepancies like Cyberpunk on the M2 Max, 40 FPS. Mm-hmm. On the M1 Ultra, 71 FPS. You know, like big difference there. But
1: yeah, but but again, like going back to the whole thing, but this is being a developer preview one. Um, some people with the Ultra chips have reported like horrendous frame rates. Like we're, mm. we're talking 10 FPS. Um, oh, yeah. Because something goes wrong with the whole Ultra Fusion thing and the beta preview, so it just doesn't doesn't use utilize it's like chokes. there's yeah it just doesn't it doesn't work very well. Um, I think I've only heard people report this for the Ultra chips and no other chip, but it might just be a generic thing that happens on any like thing with with this buck. I don't know, but that's something to keep in mind. You know, some things might just fall through the floor
2: for sure. <laughs> yeah.
0: What I'm most interested in, though, is not these higher ends, not the M2 Max, not the M1 Ultra, and not even the M1 MacBook Air, though that's, like you said, if that doubles, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. To me, once again, talking about um, baseline, and this is always our caught like the through-line point of this whole silicon thing since it was announced. What's mm-hmm. the floor of Mac, like Mac gaming performance like year by year as it yeah. climb? So the M2 MacBook Air is going to become the new floor eventually, like more yeah. or less, were the M2 yeah. chip, because the M1... Is already what two three years old, mm-hmm. you know. So the Mac and on this unoptimized chart, the M2 chip is putting out very rec- like close to that thirty FPS across a lot of these big games, or not far yeah. off. You and know, what that's I think is impressive to me. I, I also think it's particularly
1: interesting, like how the M2 performs relative to the M1 in different games, because there's major differences, right? Like some games are almost like a doubling. While other games, it's just like, I don't know, 10% more?
0: Yeah, for uh, sure.
1: Doing like off, my, off the top so of my head percentage math uh, is probably wrong. But yeah, it's, it's big versus small differences across the different games tested.
0: Yeah. Um, so of course, and this is a developer question I don't know the answer to. Maybe you could mm-hmm. comment. So like, you know, say you're a Windows dev, you know, okay. Well, if you're Blizzard, you'll probably put all the energy into like, optimizing it across the board but Mm -hmm. say you're triple double a dev or you're an indie dev or whatever Mm -hmm. like you know how are you gonna how hard is it to optimize it per silicon range m1 m2 m2 max m2 pro whatever m1 ultra like is there like some sort of just sort of middle level level optimization you could do Mm. you know or do you have to really fine tune it you know i don't know the answer to that
1: yeah, I mean, some optimizations are going to be better just across the board. Um, like, no matter what hardware it runs on, basically, right? And you're going to do that, you know, for for your game, because it's going to affect the PC port, it's going to affect the Mac port, it's going to affect the PlayStation port, if you make that, whatever. All of your versions. Some uh, optimizations are going to be specific to the software platform you're targeting, that is Metal versus DirectX versus whatever, right. Windows, Linux, Mac OS. Um, this might be focused, like I would say, significantly less on for a smaller market share operating system like Mac OS. Some things are gonna be hardware architecture specific. And by that I'm like saying something like ARM versus Intel, or on the GPU side, immediate mode rendering versus tile-based deferred rendering, which are like the difference between your traditional AMD or NVIDIA GPUs and Apple Silicon's GPU
2: architecture.
0: Right.
1: Um, for this, some of it can be very... It's very variable how much work you need to put into it to get uh, big or small gains out of it on that front. Um, for some things, you know, it's going to almost be automatic, like almost automatic, and you just win you know 20 percent performance on making a very tiny change and that's going to happen right that they're going to take the easy uh, easy wins for yeah. other things you're going to have to like hyper specialize on each individual hardware configuration and frankly unless apple is sponsoring your game i don't think you're going to get something that's like hyper focused on a specific generation of apple silicon or like you know, hyper optimized for every single Apple Silicon generation. Um, yeah. It may be like if you're talking about some indie studio or something, just for, from their testing, they do like a tiny performance win on the machine that they happen to have, and that you know also affects yeah. all other machines of the same generation of GPU or something. Just because you know you you can't optimize for hardware you don't have unless it's some generic optimization, right? It's difficult to test for. At least, you know, you can try and optimize based on, well, I know it has this many cores or whatever. But yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Apple sponsored or someone like Feral, who traditionally, at least with Intel, has put in the legwork to like fine tune it across the range with Feral being so quiet. And yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, like a correction. Um, When we were talking about Grid Legends last episode and Sam was like, oh, they just put out an article. That mm. article was from 2022. June right. 6th, it was a year. A year 2023. But I didn't catch that until after the show. And then I posted on Discord. Mm. So they are announced the game a year ago. Still made no particular showing at WWDC. I don't mm-hmm. think it was there at all, unless it, there was like collage of like games flying around at one point. I don't know if one of them was like Grid Legends, but no.
1: But but they did they did not that long ago put out a YouTube video about some Warhammer. I don't know if it was an expansion or a new game or something that was oh, really? coming out. Okay,
0: um, interesting. Uh, I didn't catch that. Well, there's always more Warhammer DLC being released. Like it was probably a time. DLC. It sounded um, like um, a DLC. There is a new Warhammer game coming. I think it's okay. set in. Oh my goodness, Am I, it might be set in Egypt or something. Mm-hmm. I forget the name of it. Um but seeing as Feral did do Warhammer 3, it's probably the next um like mini DLC pack, a couple new lords and commanders and, oh, uh, just, and
1: I think it was a total war Warhammer thing, not yeah, the,
0: yeah, yeah, most likely that. Um Yeah, so yeah, but the the baseline floor is what I'm most excited about. Of course the M ones are still the bulk of the M one ship, whatever the range is, mm-hmm. you know, M one or M one Max, Pro, whatever it is, ultras. Um, are still the dominant range because they've been out, but say a year or two from now, which is when we'll probably really start seeing the results of this game porting kit anyway, Mm -hmm. the saturation of M2s will be much stronger. Just the baseline M2, no fancy upgrades. Yeah, but Um, you also
1: have things like Metal FX uh, resolution upscaling, which I think is going to be like a massive win here, just across the board. Like,
0: well, it's akin if you, to like
1: DLSS, kind of. Yeah, right? it's it's akin to DLSS, AMD, FSR, Intel, XESS. There's resolutions like, or technologies like this popping up all over the gaming sphere. Like, there's also an internal one to PlayStation that's just, it's been there, you know. No, right. I don't think it has a code name. It's just whatever PlayStation yeah. has. <laughs> um, right. But this, like, this allows you to render the game at a low resolution and it'll look like a higher resolution effect. Like there's going to be some loss, but less than if you just rendered it flat at that resolution. Which means that, you know, all of the testing we've looked at so far has been aiming like around that 1080p level, uh, full HD. But let's say, you know, a year, two, three from now, you're looking at your MacBook Air M1 and you're like, darn it, it only gets, you know, 27 frames per second and i want at least 30 for whatever new game at that point um maybe you can use uh, metal fx upscaling to lower it to 720p and it'll still look kinda ish 1080p um with metal fx and it'll run at 30 fps that's true yeah, uh, it's not a it's not a golden bullet. You're not going to be able to play games just forever by <laughs> lowering the effective render resolution, and it's still looking like 1080p forever, right? But it is definitely going to help um, across the board, right? Not just the low end, but the high end as well. You know, you can sit there with an 8k display and effectively render at 4k, and
0: you know it'll
1: look better as well.
0: So. It's true. Yeah, no, it's definitely been, as far as I understand, in the PC gaming world, at least. Um, a pretty big upgrade, like DLSS, the NVIDIA one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've definitely noticed a difference using it on my PC. You know, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, uh, Warhammer Darktide, uh, 40K, like you get a pretty big FPS jump when you turn mm-hmm. it on or off and the game still looks fantastic. You don't really notice. Definitely. Um, at least, okay, to be fair, I have a very powerful PC, you know, a 3080 Ti GPU and all that, but... um, So I guess I don't know if you would notice it more going from like kind of lower to medium because I'm already running everything at like ultra 4K anyway. Maybe it's less noticeable, but um, I still think that's important because anything that extends kind of the life of your gaming machine, I think is important even by like a year. So you get, oh, I want to play the latest games kind of starting to drop below. Like you said, that 30 mark, maybe it's 25 or 28, you know, tech like this could, you know, give a year or two, even depending on the kind of games you play. Could mm-hmm. extend the life of it before you feel compelled like okay i really got to buy a new machine or whatever
1: yeah and i mean like uh when i play hogwarts legacy on my imac as i said i like i have the display resolution set to 4k but i use fsr amd's equivalent to this technology to render the game at 1080p and I, i'm sure it would look better at native 4k but frankly, there's time where you're like, holy crap, this is like the GPU is rendering this at 1080p and it looks this good. Because it really does look incredible given that the internal render resolution is, you know, a quarter of the pixel count that you're actually looking right. at. Yeah. Uh, but it Quite looks often. sharp as 4K, especially on like, uh, l- you know, things that aren't moving at incredible speed. Like the faster something moves, the harder it is to uh, do this uh, you know, mapping from a lower resolution to a higher resolution. Um, but then on the other hand of that, you know, the the, um, the blur of something moving fast and the fact that you can't focus on it as much means that it is less important that it is as sharp, right? Right. Um, so it, it almost works in tandem with something like motion blur as well to like sell the effect
0: more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it's impressive stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's similar to how like, I don't know, like the iPhone cameras are always getting better but I think a software is doing a lot of the heavy lifting these days. Yeah, oh,
1: definitely. There's a massive difference from that picture actually taken by the camera to what you see after processing.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they, not,
1: they it, talked about um, that uh, deep fusion of the images in the past where they, like, take nine different pictures and combine them into one good picture and stuff, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so there's there's a lot of software tricks that you can use to, to make something look better than it technically is uh, before post-processing. Right. So, yeah. Um, oh, uh, speaking of like techniques like that, um, the Vision Pro headset that I mentioned I wasn't that interested in, but I'm going to talk about anyway, uh, you see, uses, um, what's it called, like foveatic, foveatic foveal rendering, uh, where like it uses the eye tracking thing to notice where you're looking at render, and renders the point you're looking at at extremely high resolution and your peripheral vision at a lower resolution to save on compute resources. It's just a really cool technology, and like the PlayStation V R headset uses this technology as well, um, and people who have tested it have been like I, I cannot notice i it I just really don't notice because your peripheral vision is just a lot worse than your central vision. it's right?
0: already kind of blurred anyway, almost like what do they call that depth of field like in the yeah, games, you kind of zoom in, in and you're really focused here, and the edges are a little blurry, it's kind of like that, yeah, but since you're looking wherever you're looking, you don't yeah, you don't really notice it um mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's really cool um. This is an adjacent topic. It's really like game this is like game porting kit speculation in the future. Yeah. So speculation is in like so one of the main issues facing Mac game porting traditionally, say mm-hmm. for game porting houses, Aspire, Feral, what have you, or mm-hmm. um so not sponsored, you know. So they wanted to bring a game to Mac.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm talking triple triple A, this is the category triple A. Uh, licensing was always very prohibitive. This is the yep. reason we never got the latest Call of Duty on Mac.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, from Aspire, for example, it was always two to three like generations of game back. Mm-hmm. I, you know, they actually told me the numbers like 10 years ago when I I didn't work for them as a contract worker, but they told me a bunch of cool stuff. And I'm pretty sure, I can't remember the number exactly, so I don't want to like say it and get it wrong, but mm-hmm. the licensing, I, whatever it was, it was like really expensive. Remember, yeah. relative to the Mac gaming space. So say... Say it was the reverse. Say you were going to bring a game from, like, console to PC, and you're like, okay, this license, it's going to cost you $100,000. You're like, mm. who cares? I'm going to be selling to millions of PC gamers, right? Assuming mm-hmm. it's a big popular title. Like, say, oh, someone wants to license God of War to PC. No brainer. Everyone's going to buy it. Like, it's like a shoe in mm-hmm. But say you're, you're a Mac studio, a Mac porting, porting house, you know, Feral Aspire, what have you. You're like, oh, well, y- you know, Activision, back then when they were just Activision, I think still, activision is going to charge me a hundred thousand dollars to bring the latest call of duty to mac well your audience is way smaller are you really going to make up that revenue in sales not to mention that's just the licensing what to speak of all your own internal costs to develop the game and who knows how many hundreds of you know mm-hmm. developer hours and tuning and support and like uh, let's just say it could cost a couple hundred thousand maybe half mm-hmm. a million i don't even know like to bring the game to mac so it's like and if I recall, the numbers were that high—fifty, hundred k, or maybe even more—for the license from Activision. Like to, for the latest one, it was mm-hmm. just prohibitive. Prohibitive is the word. So what I'm wondering is, with stuff like GPT game porting toolkit, you know, not that licensing will go down, but will you know more developers just port their own stuff? And but then the key question is, will they bother to do it concurrently? Will they do it shortly after? Like, okay, release the PC, we'll do it with the Mac one month later, two weeks later, I don't know, three month, like within a three month window. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very curious about that. Or is it gonna be like, oh, we'll do it a year or two later, you know, like Hideo Kojima, he's like, okay, I'm gonna bring all my future titles to Mac, which currently mm-hmm. we know they're working on Death Stranding too. So I'm very curious to see the development of that game. Is it gonna be, you know, console PC release, Mac later, Mac very soon, two weeks later, same day release. I'm really curious over time, I don't mean right away, because this tech has to develop has yeah. to saturate the market and sort of the interested parties on the PC side. And mm-hmm. will that have a snowball effect of like, again, get a couple more heavy hitters? Maybe Blizzard steps in, maybe Bethesda steps in with like Diablo 4 or Starfield or something. That'd be insane. Hmm. But then this kind of, oof, you know, that snowball effect, oh, these other big guys are stepping in. Maybe, you know, our kind of quote unquote sure hits type of games, like, no, basically no risk because it's big, it's popular. For, Again, everyone, quote unquote, relatively, everyone will play it. Mm. Um, mass appeal type of games, you know.
1: So, if if I were to speculate on this front, what I would say is, um, if you saw, I, I posted at some point not too long ago in our chat um, a picture from like the the subscribers on the Apple Gaming um, subreddit, the trend for that, and like. After, like From the point of the Apple Silicon transition, there was a steady trend upwards for more and more subscribers, right? And then after WWDC, with the announcement of the Game porting Toolkit, the slope of the curve just skyrocketed. Um, it's, uh, it's not that the overall quantity had increased that much at the point of where I had the graph, but the slope just... It's basically going straight up.
0: It so, looks like it jumped by around five or 10,000 subscribers, yeah. roughly. Yeah, and that was
1: like I forgot what that was like—a day, a week after dub up, right? Um, so it's just gonna, you know, presumably increase from that point onward. So I think the the goal here from Apple's perspective is to jazz up um, everyone's excitement around this, have coverage like you and me and the entire Mac gaming space, and draw in excitement from the PC crowd as well. Going like, oh, actually, that's quite kind of interesting over there. And then we're gonna see. Some studios go, well, let's give it a go. We'll try it. We'll punt it. See what happens. And based on how successful that initial early beginning of uh, developers in-house going, let's give this Mac thing a go. Based on how successful that is, it can go either way. If they actually see, oh, there is actually a Mac market for games then I do think we're going to see massive interest in doing in-house ports of games, uh, not outsourcing as much anymore. It's just going to be taken in-house and maybe happen simultaneously to PC or console releases as well, depending on how successful it is. Right. If there's less interest, but still enough to justify it, it's going to be, you know, a month, two months, three months, half a year, a year after release, still delayed launches, maybe still in-house, maybe not. And if the, you know the interest is not there at all, which I obviously hope it is. Then we're the Mac gaming space isn't going to change that much after all. But
2: right, right. You know,
1: th- those are like the the outcomes I see happening. So it's it's going to be an important early beginning here, but it's going to be hopefully something that evolves into something big. And...
0: Right. It definitely has all the framework and foundation to do it. It's just a matter of okay, will the people in the positions to do something about it, both on like say Apple's side hmm. and the PC devs and so on. What do they do with all this? Does Apple keep up the support, keep adding features to the, to the porting kit and, you know, really make like do like basically onboard people with that, you know? And I'm kind of curious, you know, a little bit adjacent, uh, kind of mirroring almost something like the Epic Games store who, who still is like paying for exclusive games and mm-hmm. giving away free games. They've slowed it down, but they're still doing it, mm-hmm. um, to try and compete with steam. So, basically how long will Apple keep doing this? Now we all know they have unlimited money for all intents and purposes, but that's not the point Mm. because in businesses, a given division or arm has to eventually justify itself, Mm -hmm. you know, with like revenue and what have you. So it doesn't matter that Apple makes billions and trillions, like the gaming arm and all this effort eventually has to pay off or they will drop it. That's just Mm -hmm. more or less the way any business works. Um, so the response so far has been great. You know, Hideo Jima, Kojima's the man, and I love that. His little, like, anecdote is he's always loved Macs, and he had, like, an Apple II or whatever way back in the day, and mm. it's kind of, like, been his dream to always bring games to Mac, and I'm like, what? Why well, I've never heard this before. That's wild, you know? Mm. Um, so I'm kind of curious, like, are there more people like him out there? You know, uh, he is an oddball, like we talked about. You know, he he's his own kind of, like, special entity to mm. make things happen that maybe other studios or, or whatever couldn't, but... Mm. Um, yeah, The promise is there, and I'm also curious, you know, yeah, the in- in-house ports have been like, I mean, okay, the last couple I can think of were something like Borderlands 3, which was in late, early 2020 maybe, I think January 2020 or something. Uh, the port wasn't very good, but it's the only way we got the game, an internal port. Yeah, for that um, one, I
1: almost wished it would have been a feral or something instead because it was pretty yeah,
0: rough. But yeah. at least we have the game. Um, something like Dying Light also was internally done. Very yeah. wonky port ran really but, well. But this, in the of sequel, at least
1: so far, didn't get a port.
0: To, no, uh, someone somewhere said it was supposed to. I think even from the company, but that was like a year or two before it released. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the
1: first release runs really well and. Uh, Uh, yeah, even on uh, Apple Silicon has, I I don't know if it's native actually, but it runs really well on both Apple Silicon and
0: uh, Yeah, so it's still like this random, you know, sometimes we get sequels, sometimes we don't, sometimes we get entry one in a game, sometimes one and two and skipped and we get three, and it's kind of all over the map, so Mm. I'm just hoping to see some consistency. It doesn't need to be quantity. I don't Mm -hmm. need, you know, 10, 20 new Mac games a year, new Mac games as in like ports. It's just like, can we get a couple consistent ports that run well reasonably you know aren't like t- five or ten year old games and you know and so on and so forth like yeah. just let's get some stepping stones that would be really encouraging to me yeah. you know and just slowly ramp it up mm-hmm. um i would love to see that um feral you know i guess sorry the other speculation is is someone like feral i think i guess we already talked about this a little bit two shows ago maybe like are they going to kind of go out of business and extinct as a result of this or will they always have a place? I think your opinion was like they're, as they're they're so specialized, you know, they'd probably yeah. always have some sort of spot in the market. I think they'll always have
1: some market. Uh, the market might change, you know, they're um, they they work a lot with like the higher end games on Mac at this point. You know, if a lot of the higher end games choose to take their ports in-house, uh Farrell might go more mm-hmm. of a quantity route and work with more mid-tier developers like the AA kind of games. Uh, and bring twice as many but smaller games to the Mac or whatever. But I think that there's always going to be... Or maybe they're just going to like act as consultancies, uh, houses, right? Where right. these big AAA studios want to bring their game to Mac. Uh, they have a department in-house that's going to work on it, but uh, then they get an employee from Feral as a consultant to help them on the Mac special, right? Games, right, almost
0: like a liaison or... Yeah, something like yeah. that. And um, it just... yeah. Additionally, and this is sort of adjacent, and I'm curious, because apparently, by all accounts, you know, long ago, 10 odd years ago, you know, Gabe Newell of Valve, head of Valve, owner of Steam and so on, if Mm. people don't pay attention to names and companies, um, you know, they were, at least according to Gabe Newell's account, they were the ones always pushing Apple in the past, Mm. like, to do something about Mac Gaming, and this was even earlier, more than 10 years ago, this is like 2010, 2011, I think, you know, they released um, Portal 2 and Team Fortress 2 And Left 4 Dead 2, Mm -hmm. I think it was those three. It was like the orange box or whatever. Um, Counter-Strike and all that jazz on the Mac. And it was a big ta-da. And there's still great games even today, although I think they're all uh, 32-bit. But my, again, continuing sort of this theory thing and onboarding, like, will Valve bother to kind of do... Of course, they haven't made a game in ages other than, um, I guess, well, CSGO already runs on Mac. Dota 2 already runs on Mac. And they've kept up with the upgraded engines and everything. Source 2 is coming, though, so we'll see yep. about that. Um, but yeah, I guess my, uh, my question is, like, will Valve try and do anything with all this the way they used to? Or have they kind of been burned by Apple's former... So I think there's a lot of interesting
1: things to unpack
0: on this aspect.
1: Uh, one is that the
0: Steam client,
1: uh, over the past few beta updates to the Steam client, has been getting significantly better on the Mac. Uh, it for a long time, it didn't support hardware accelerated scrolling. And I don't know if you've noticed, but if you scroll on Steam, it is laggy and annoying. Uh, that is fixed in the more recent uh, client betas. Uh, the UI is getting an overhaul. Um, parts of it go- are going to be more magnated, like um, the notifications are going to be placed properly among like the top right corner and stuff to more right. make it feel more magnative and stuff. Um, So there's at least some work to make it, like, integrate better with the OS and feel. Then, um, I don't know, do you remember, I think this was, like, WWDC 2017, um, when they released the iMac Pro. They also talked about VR back then and how the iMac Pro could run uh, VR headsets like the Oculus Rift and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Valve was present for that, and uh, coincided the release of that with the uh, Valve. What is it called like is it just Index. called Steam VR?
0: Uh, Valve Index is their oh no not, not, the,
1: not the hardware the software from I think it's I think called it's Steam, Steam VR. VR. yeah I believe so
2: yeah
1: so they um, released the Steam VR for Mac because previous previous uh, prior to that it didn't run on Mac macOS um, that got cut I can't remember when but you can't use the full proper Steam VR on OS right now even if you have the headset uh, and I, I don't know if they're gonna bring that back. I hope they will, given that Apple is now also pushing into the VR space and stuff, right? right but that yeah. got kicked. And then there's been these stories in the past where Valve had talked about, uh, or at least employees from Valve, or I don't know where I've heard the stories, but definitely people from Valve had uh, teams from Apple come to them and go like, what can we do to make uh, gaming better on the Mac? Asking Valve that, right? In a boardroom meeting or something.
2: Yeah, and right. Valve
1: going, well, we, to make it work, we'd need this, this, and this. And then the Apple employees leave. And then six months later, a team from Apple comes and goes, what can we do to make gaming on the Mac better? And Valve goes, well, you could do the three things we mentioned last time. And the employees go, what three things? We don't know what you're talking about. Was Were we here before? Um, and like, you know, the, Valve gets frustrated with this and eventually didn't really care to talk about it anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, but now that Apple is pushing actually towards gaming on the Mac, um that might change and valve might like reinitialize some of that conversation with apple because Va- valve themselves have a great interest in diversifying uh the platforms games can run on like not as in the platform as in steam is the platform that's what they want but as in windows linux mac os right if steam can get to a point or valve can get to a point where people think about well you game on Steam rather than you game on a Mac or on a PC or Linux or whatever. That's the end goal ultimately, right? And that's from their perspective. And that's why something like the Steam Deck or the Steam machines were Linux machines, but they wanted you to just think of the experience as Steam with Steam Big Picture and the Deck experience and all that. They they don't want a situation where... They're beholden to Microsoft or if, you know, if Microsoft suddenly goes, well, the Windows is locked down and you can only install from the Microsoft store, the Windows store thing. Like they're not right. going to do that, but it is a risk to valve that exists as long as they are tied up to any given platform. So they want to diversify the space in which you can play games. Um, so they, they definitely have an interest there, but yeah, I don't know if they're going to push in that direction,
2: but I hope
0: so. I hope so. Th- I mean they've you know yeah i'm just hoping they will be like kind of uh, let bygones be bygones like okay, be burned by apple and they're for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word incompetence in mac gaming um you know but hopefully Valve's like okay cool they're like they're serious now seemingly and they've actually Mm -hmm. got like other serious devs on board and yada 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 so we'll see where that goes but as you said the fact that steam is also getting better in terms of like um, the hardware acceleration and better UI and native uh, like notifications and so on is, mm-hmm. is just nice. Someone 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 at Valve still cares mm-hmm. in their apparently like unusual corporate like open structure where like no one's really in charge mm-hmm. and whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I also think this it's interesting to look at like the difference
0: between you know company histories
1: here because you know when Google announced that whole Stadia thing that it's no more. <laughs> um, <laughs> People, even when they announced Stadia, the idea, people were like, uh, when are they going to drop this one? Because Google has a history of announcing a cool idea and then going, well, that didn't work, we'll drop it, right? I'd say historically, when Apple announces something publicly, they're more likely to stick with it for a long time, not forever. There does come a point where they're like, well, this didn't work out, drop it. But they are way more likely to give it a fair shot and not just go within a year, mm, didn't pay off, kill it, but go, well, what if we push even harder, maybe next year? Um, so, I do think that's also sort of a, a positive thing in this uh, realm of gaming that, from Apple's perspective, given their track record, even if it doesn't turn out to work as fast as they expect, I don't think they're going to drop the initiative as quickly as someone as, like Google might.
0: For sure, that's or true. Some th-
1: an entity like Google, and not a someone, no, that, but, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. You know, history and sort of mood, intent, reputation, whatever you want to call it on on these kinds of things is definitely a factor and definitely important. Um, like from the consumer perspective, um, yeah. Like I don't like no one ever took Stadia, 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 whatever, seriously. Yeah, in my opinion. I mean, I tested it. Um, I have oddly good luck into getting into betas throughout my like gaming stuff for some reason. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think I've gotten into like every single one I've signed up for, um, like early, early level stuff, just whatever I'm lucky. Um, and it was very impressive. I just launched my Google browser and I jumped into Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I'm like, this is cool as hell. And even gave me a free copy of Odyssey for testing it. So I'm like, thanks guys. Um, but I was heavily using GeForce now at the time and it was honestly as good and super convenient out of the browser. But, um, minor seg not like really quick side snippet because mm-hmm. you know my love of nvidia uh geforce now um is they've got an even extra deal now with microsoft uh they're gonna bring the pc game pass uh select titles to geforce now so it's just mm-hmm. more library expansion cool so they're supposed and then separately they're supposed to be bringing microsoft store games to geforce now which i don't think has happened yet okay um but the games go a weirdly xbox or it's like the xbox pc game pass the whole naming thing's confusing to me yeah um but it's already its own separate streaming service but if you use that right now on a pc you stream the console version at least in my experience and it's terrible yeah yeah. but i believe the difference is with the pc game pass you can actually download the game to your computer and play it or stream it No, if you download it I believe in like ninety nine percent of cases, it's the actual PC version. No, it
1: is. um, It's in all cases.
0: Right. Okay. All cases. There we go. Mm -hmm. Um, So you okay? So if you want a pure stream, it's a downgrade. But if you want to actually download it, it's an upgrade. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's really interesting. Like my hope is, and this this is something I thought of perhaps even years ago. Like, yeah, can there be like one almost global platform? Like I could just log into Nvidia GeForce now and practically play anything. Like anything bit major from like, you know, dozens of different major studios and platforms, and like that would be cool. And it really seems like NVIDIA's they're not there, but they're getting there with all the deals they're making. So, you know, I mean, the deals have a time limit, I think they're like 10 year deals or something. Um, that's still a long time in the life of gaming. Mm. Um, I just think it's cool, hasn't mm. happened yet, but the deals made, and I don't know if it has a date, but it's like coming so. Just more more good news for the Nvidia GeForce Now streaming stuff. So that's cool. Yeah, it
1: it it does present the problem for like game history and archives and stuff. Like, uh, I recently saw a video where someone took um, Dark Souls One mm. and pointed out the differences from you know the, the unpatched released version and the fully patched you know final version of the game after they dropped didn't patch it anymore right and they could take their playstation 3 disc off the game put it on their console turn off the internet and play the unpatched release version right i i sort of find it a little bit sad that you know that's not exactly at least an easy option anymore in the modern day of gaming and that we're gonna end up in a situation where in 10 20 30 years the games that we like now like forget playing an unpatched version can you play them at all is it just like even emulators old hardware can like do they work without internet like at what point yeah. are we just you know no it's true access?
0: there's this um what do you call it like cross section integration merging at some point of like tech and um, release, like how, how the publisher developer, how they decide to release that to the consumer, how mm-hmm. they access it, how they can play it, how granular is your access, how modular, can you mod it, can you tinker with it, or is like, mm-hmm. here's the game we want you to play, and that's all you get. I mean, you're going mean, to play the, the, it how we want you to. There and,
1: are some games where when you buy the console disk version, the disk version is basically just an unlock key that goes and downloads it from the web servers, Right.
0: Right, yeah, if yeah, those yeah. servers aren't
1: there anymore at some point, then the disk also doesn't have the game you you just can't get it
0: it's true no, that's true, and that's where um uh piracy as it were has a um has a a, a force for good in that it's like a catalog, it's an archive if you yeah. will because yeah. these things are saved locally and you know uh cracked to run without internet and yada 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 in some cases they even have like latest patch updates <laughs> of the yeah. games um So in that sense, you know, um, you know, they're not just like scumbag freebooters who want to rip off games. In some cases, like they're just anti DRM, Mm -hmm. um, you know, anti how you call it. Yeah, like um, always online and all this kind of stuff. And and I don't I don't fault um, a certain segment of gamers for being annoyed by that stuff and wanting a way around it. Or in some cases, how a pirated version is actually a better experience than the paid one because it avoids all the like de novo DRM crap that like invades your computer and that that I actually remember.
1: reminds me to play Elden Ring on the uh, Apple Gaming uh, Porting Toolkit thing, right? Uh, you have to disable DRM because it it uses an uh, easy anti cheat, and that doesn't work with these sort of things, right? Uh, and it's I love what FromSoft have done here because all you need to do to disable their an, easy anti cheat DRM is to rename the file, and then you can just open it. But they know this; it's not unintended. This is intended behavior. Okay. Because if you rename the file and go, I don't want easy anti cheat. I don't want the uh, this. Then you also can't play online. So they have like this compromise. Whereas like if you don't like it, you can turn it off.
0: But right. we also don't want cheaters. So yeah, sure with the invader mode and whatever. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Now, there should there should be reasonable compromise options for whatever experience you want. Mm-hmm. Like you know that's fair. Um, I'm slightly less concerned about that probably because I don't really play old games anymore. The way I used to, I used to play a lot of older games and replay mm. them and replay them. And now just the way my gaming habits and taste have changed, I tend to focus on not always culture to the new, but probably games within the last like three mm. years, maybe max five. And it kind of caps out lot. And part of that is because I often play certain big releases in a given year. Um, But sometimes I'm just like, well, I only have so much time for gaming Mm. and I probably want something like, quote unquote, for lack of a better word, new and cool, or maybe something with a fresh mechanic or the Mm. theme I haven't explored before. Um, Not to say older games are all like the same or have nothing cool to offer, but in some cases I've already played it, A, or B, maybe there's a reasonably equivalent game, but that it's like five or 10 years newer. And it's like, well, I'm just going to play that because maybe it looks better or maybe it has some slightly less clunky UI or whatever it is. I'm not, I'm not trying to invalidate anyone who is concerned about this. I think it's a really uh, legitimate point of view to have, especially just, never mind games, software in general. Yes. Like software archiving, not just games, like all apps. Mm. I think that's very, I, I agree that's important. I'm just personally not as invested in it. And right. it's not because I think it's unimportant. It's just kind of my gaming tech lifestyle is very sort of cloud-based, Mm-hmm. in the now a lot of my like web work and coding and not that I don't have local backups mm. um it's just it's just the way I've gone but I completely respect and even encourage the these other views because I also think they're an important part of the picture mm. and if they didn't exist at all I think publishers might even push like DRM and always online even harder so I yes. think that there is a segment of the app gaming whatever who pushed back against this mm-hmm. and is vocal about it I'm actually grateful to them because I don't have to put the energy into being vocal about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so I think I think it's very good, um, and you know, there's this, there should be a balance, a middle middle road, if you were to most of these things. And mm-hmm. Yeah, like that.
1: As like a final remark, because uh, I I don't have too much more time. Um, but as a final remark before we go, um, and then we can cover a lot of other things that we did uh, in a in a later episode. I just want to say, like, I also tested, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I think, uh, Dragon Ball Kakarot and uh, Elix on the porting toolkit. Elix being a a game where the sequel is getting a Mac port, as we've talked about uh, before. So I thought it would be cool to test the original Elix and see how that one runs, because, you know, you might want to get like the full picture of the story before you play the second. So it would be an opportunity to play it that way. Now, unfortunately, I found through those that there is a memory leak in Apple's Porting Toolkit in this early preview, which means that um, you know, the exact uh, usage here varies depending on the game. But on some games, I've only seen this in DirectX 11 titles, but as you play, it just keeps eating more and more memory. Now, I have 32 gigabytes of memory in my uh, MacBook. And if I play Dragon Ball Set Kakarot for, let's say, around 15 minutes, the frame rate goes from a locked 60 to about two FPS. Wow. Um, Because you run out of memory and then it needs to, you know, instead of having fast VRAM, it needs to talk to the SSD. And there's a pretty big difference between 400 gigabytes per second and five gigabytes per second. (laughs) Um, Right. So so that's rather unfortunate. I I hope and assume it's going to be fixed in one of the, you know, upcoming betas of the toolkit, but that is, something to keep in mind, and Apple might not even see it as a priority to fix it, given that you know, if a developer is using this just to estimate what kind of frame rate they might get in a native port, they might just go like, well, you have 15 minutes before you need to restart it, isn't that that's Right, right. You know, you can see Memory, it
0: runs at yeah. Memory leaks so. are insidious, though. In some cases, they're slower, at least in smaller games. I can't remember which ones. I've played one or two that had them, and you have to play for a couple hours, but then it's like, eh. Yeah. It's not like 15 minutes. Um, but um Yeah. It's mm-hmm. in, it's interesting. And I, well, I would hope they fix it so some devs don't go like, well, I, I can't even test this, you know, because mm-hmm. I need more time. Maybe the game's really complex or you have to test a lot of different areas or uh, mechanics yeah, yeah, or yeah. something, I don't know. Yeah. And they're like, well, uh, you know, it's too much of a headache. And
1: I mean, I, I'm i certain they're going to, you know, want to fix it. But the, the question is just like how high up on the priority list
0: is. Right, it? right, right, right. For yeah. sure.
1: And Fair. like, uh, I also want to point out that I also tested Batman Arkham Knight. Uh, Ooh, which is, okay. I think that's DirectX 10 or 11. It's one of the two. Um, it runs weirdly because, like, all of the games I tested were to some degree CPU bottlenecked. Batman Arkham Knight is very CPU bottlenecked. That is to say, sometimes you're running at 120 frames per second, the refresh rate of the monitor, full okay. resolu- like full half native resolution, all settings at max. 120 fps and then you do some animation like you you pull out a batarang or something and it drops to 18 in an instance right uh and that's what i was talking about before like a solid 30 is way better than fluctuations this great right because the game runs perfectly smoothly rain like the whole visual scene of just looking out over the city perfect but as soon as you do anything. I think I think it might be relating to the cape physics on on Batman or something. Uh, and if you ah. look at like the, the so the metal performance Hut tells you like how long it took the GPU to prepare the frame and how long it took the CPU to prepare the frame. The GPU looks almost you know it it, it wouldn't have run at one hundred and twenty FPS, but the GPU has the frame ready enough to reach seventy plus. The CPU just does not. So I think it's like the physics of the cape or something that the CPU is trying to calculate for or something, and it just.
0: Well, that's traditionally, cool. yeah, like this hair, clothing, physics, physics, havoc, whatever type stuff mm-hmm. has always mm-hmm. been frame rate killers um, yeah. when unoptimized or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at least in the past, nowadays, mm-hmm. at least on PC, that's gotten better. Um, but famously, even stuff like Witcher Three on release, if you enabled like the hair physics, this is 2015, so quite a while ago now, but mm-hmm. it was like, oh, I can run it perfectly at ultra, and oh, now I'm tanked like 10 FPS or something. Yeah. <laughs> But again, like this, this this this
1: is very much something that's gonna be improved if you switch from Rosetta 2 to native arm, but it's right. it's something that for some games especially really can hinder the usefulness of the toolkit. And Arkham Knight is one of the ones where it just it's unplayable, even though the game could run at 120 FPS.
0: Right, and that's interesting.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah, but it's a bold new future, um, hopefully. And tons of promising stuff, and we w- see. So here's the thing: just to again wrap this up in the mm-hmm. next minute or two or whatever, we will get an initial like let's just call it wave one or Gen one of attempts at this. Mm-hmm. That'll happen from more Apple sponsored stuff. From Kojima, from a couple mm-hmm. others, maybe unannounced, and there's a pretty big list of games coming already that we talked about two shows yeah, ago. Yeah, there's, there's like know, the Elex, uh, Blue like all their
1: games. I think that are coming to match. Yeah, within, quite a few. Yeah,
0: yeah, and the, most of them are like double A, basically, or some indie, some double A. Mm-hmm. Good range of titles, you know, action, adventure, racing, horror, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a solid, a solid range. So oh, we'll get to, actually, yeah.
1: super interesting.
0: Um, Lies of P.
1: Uh the demo is only for Windows. I tested it the the porting toolkit it runs like 45 FPS plus high settings. Uh, but yeah. Lies of P is coming to Mac natively as well. I don't I don't really? think we probably, yeah. No. Um, oh,
0: and then basically it's like Pinocchio Dark Souls kind of <laughs> ba-
1: Yeah, basically. But what's extra cool is I I don't know like if this is going to like target future hardware or if they're just going to do it without acceleration course, but they have set uh Lies of P on Mac will have ray tracing
0: oh okay i was actually gonna ask about that not specific to this game but mm-hmm. ray tracing on mac um i don't think any mac games currently doing it maybe some mm-hmm. ipad os or something is doing it no so. supports ray tracing yes my knowledge no let's just for lack of a better word let's call it a i don't I hate these words. okay a non-mobile game mm-hmm. but i was gonna say real game but that's yeah, like, yeah. what do you call it snobby and asinine so i'll try to get away from that language yeah. um yeah and Apple announced ray tracing metal support like years ago yeah but. there's
1: also like upgrades yet again to the ray tracing acceleration structures in metal this year, so
0: there is focus on it very interesting um,
1: but but the interesting thing is like the the uh, m chips and the A chips and all that from apple um, they don't have like dedicated RT cores, but you can use metal ray tracing acceleration structures to to some degree accelerate ray tracing operations on the shader course, like the the normal GPU course, in there. It's not at all the same as having dedicated ray tracing hardware, but sure. it is a thing that, you know,
0: yeah. Well, what's interesting with ray tracing itself, well, for one, it does look phenomenal and it does make a difference in your gaming experience, but I've noticed it's become more granular even over the last, like, two years. Like, there's mm-hmm. like, oh, ray tracing light settings and like medium and ultra, yeah, and psycho, and yeah. now they're coming out with overdrive. You need the latest uh, 4080 card from NVIDIA, but there before it was just kind of like ray tracing on or off. There was no yeah. real settings and now it's getting a lot more granular. So I am hoping, yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's like an entry point on the Mac side. Well, yeah, it's probably not going to be like super yeah. high end ray tracing, but maybe it could be like lower end, which is still
1: mm-hmm.
0: even the lower end looks really cool. Yeah. Of ray tracing, honestly. And that so. might be
1: like what the lies of P announcement is like initial Low ray tracing setting on on the Mac before we get actual ray tracing, acceleration units or something. But yeah. I don't know.
0: All, all I know is
1: that uh, they've said it's a thing that's going to happen in the Mac port. So.
0: really cool. So oh, I can't remember the name of the game. Sorry, I you know, I don't like the dunk of people's games. But the game wasn't very good. We okay. got a Souls like on Mac. It was that weird sci-fi one? We were on a ship. I don't. I played I know a fair it. amount of it as a. Like, oh, I actually, is. is this Hell Point? Uh, yeah, Hell Point. I think it is. I just don't think the game's very good as a
1: game. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't enjoy it very much either. My my brother recommended it to me at some point where he was like, oh, I found a new Souls like he's very into Souls like games. Right, um, right. I, I play I think it is Hellpoint. It might be something close to that, but it's at least something uh, along clicking
0: lines. on it. No, no, it's it's
1: Hellpoint. Yep. Um, um yeah. and like my brother recommended it. I played a bit and he was like very excited about it, and then like I go, I don't think this is very good in my head, right? And then my brother sends me a message of, like, ah, I got a bit far, further into the game. It's not actually that good. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's it's cool uh, for, like, it, it's cool they tried. It's cool they did it. And it I, give, I, I give I the developers it. a lot of credit for what they have made, even yes. if it wasn't the game I personally found very entertaining. Yes, Hats off to them. You did something cool. You made something.
0: You did. You You got, I mean, even making a Like, a double-A game is a big deal. I mean, honestly, releasing any level of game is a big deal. Like, you put your blood, sweat, and tears and whatever into it, whether you're one person, 10 people, 100 people working on a game, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. like, start to finish, launch, publish, sales, that's all a big deal. And they seem to have done reasonably well, hats off to them. But as far as, like, making, like, oh, here's a Souls-like game that's, like, Mm -hmm. the kind of experience you might expect or want out of a Souls-like game, Mm -hmm. I think we've yet to have that on the Mac, but I think the Lies of P... Could deliver that from what i've from, seen from
1: the very early bit i played off the demo through the game porting toolkit i'll say that it felt like significantly better to me than hellpoint did it did not feel as good as a fromsoft game but it's it's good it, right. is it's what it seemed to be um and like it's more in the spirit of something like bloodborne i think uh, okay and given that bloodborne never uh got a pc release as well like, Lies of P could could be interesting in that sense as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, right. it emphasizes aggression more than Souls games would a bit, I think, um, which Bloodborne did as well. And
0: yeah. For sure. Yeah. Really cool, though. Yeah. But yeah, the, the sort of wrap-up point is we'll definitely see this wave one, maybe even wave two. So it's just a matter of like, will the waves keep coming Yeah, and just stabilize and just no longer be a wave and just become the new normal? Mm -hmm. Um, But we can definitely look forward to a bunch of releases we've talked about, a bunch more we don't know about in the next year or two, and then we'll go from there. I'm just really hoping we'll get like Diablo 4 or Starfield or something, because I'm a snob. I mean, I've already frankly, pre-ordered Starfield after the deep dive the other day. Honestly, I was mad in the game. Like, I don't even care about this game. Then I watched the deep dive, and I'm like, oh, my God, I need this game. Anyway, I had, I had mixed feelings on the deep dive. Like, on the, on the one hand, there was a lot of really cool things in there.
1: Uh, but there was one point where one of the Bethesda employees says something to the effect of, what I love most about Starfield is that it's still through and through. A Bethesda game and I'm sitting there like that's what concerns me <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> like no <laughs> yeah. they okay yeah for it's true I agree and you know people have been beaming already because Bethesda said this will be like the least buggy game we've put out and people are like well that's not a high bar to clear exactly. you know? <laughs> yeah and um, like when
1: they say things like it's so big and the planets are procedurally generated. I'm like, I don't want procedural generation. I want. Handcrafted. I don't either.
0: I don't either. I agree. I also want handcrafted. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason I avoided No Man's Sky, even though I was generally attracted to this space yeah. exploration adventure type thing. Mm-hmm. Starfield is at least more of the kind of game I want, mm-hmm. like as an experience. I yeah, do they, don't they, want they have some generation. more
1: handcrafted things in there as well, like the major stops uh, story.
0: Yeah. All right. yeah. So I would, I'm the kind of person who would probably stick to the more like handcrafted stuff and just dabble on some of the side experiences. But yeah, I think it does look pretty impressive. And it went from just kind of looking like weird Fallout 4 in space to more like a bit of its own thing. It still clearly got DNA from Fallout and even some Elder Scrolls things. But definitely the adoring fans it, in it.
1: From yeah. Oblivion. It,
0: yeah. Um, but the deep dive at least established it's doing enough like to give it some of its own identity now i'm like okay i can mm-hmm. then kind of grasp what it is and not just write it off as a kind of a reskin yeah um yeah so pretty cool nonetheless i've just been craving a space experience for a while i keep buying like space board games and it hasn't mm-hmm. worked out i like buy try sell buy try sell. <laughs> have you played the outer worlds um no i almost got it several times Been on my wish list for mm-hmm. for a while and i've watched game blaze and twitch and everything but I decided I wanted something a little more freeform, maybe, and somewhat uh-huh. less sort of companion-y rpg even though Starfield can be that, too. Fair enough, um, but
1: I, I, I highly recommend The Outer Worlds. It has a really fun writing style.
0: I That's what mostly attracted me. Uh, I think around when I was thinking of buying it, because there was a big sale, I was like, oh, and then they announced Outer Worlds 2. Mm. Of course, that's a ways off. And I'm like, you know what? I think I'll just wait for the second one. I've got mm. games to play already anyway. And that was kind of my decision. Because I do enjoy the, yeah, sort of zany, well-written, but like multiple solutions to things. You can kind of be the good guy or the bad guy or whatever. Yeah. Um, Not quite immersive sim level, but a half step in that direction anyway. Mm -hmm. um, It's good times for sure. Um, But we'll see. Yeah. But basically, a lot to look forward to. Uh, Well exceeded our expectations, um, in my opinion, um, with all this GPT game porting kit stuff. Mm-hmm. Game porting toolkit, so yeah, GPT for short. Mm-hmm. GPT Not to be maybe, confused have, with Chat GPT. Hey, that's <laughs> what I was about to say. Maybe that association in my head. Yeah, you'd have to call it like Mac GPT or Apple GPT or something to maybe mm-hmm. sort of sidestep that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. um Probably wrap it up there because yep. other games we could talk about in the next show or two. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're approaching an hour and a half, so stay tuned for Pathfinder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's cool stuff from Owlcat Games, Pathfinder stuff, including their upcoming Rogue Trader game, which I did play for about an hour and a half in the beta. Um, cool stuff. They don't advertise a Mac beta, but they have one. Just I'll say oh, that okay. much.
1: That's cool.
2: Yeah,
0: but, yeah. yeah. Massive, Massive back-
1: excitement in the in the Mac gaming space.
0: <laughs> yes, much hype, much excitement, and thanks to Casper for, for all his deep dives and uh, lengthy um, uh, write ups and photos. I've been posting on the Discord, exciting me, Sam and Ted, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not Lily so much. She's off in the army like shooting tanks. She's posting photos from her tank. It's pretty funny <laughs> actually. <laughs> Entertaining us. Um yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Casper for all your efforts and glad to hear your comments. Still looking forward to more of your comments, even on maybe some WWDC stuff, but that, that yeah, can wait till next time. Yeah, uh, um, yeah Lot um thanks. A lot to him back. And thanks for everyone uh for being here as always and for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Cheerio.